Well, today we are in week nine, I believe, of the Ten Commandments. So we've been working our way through these commandments that God gave to his people Israel that he has also given to us today. So I invite you now to hear the word of the Lord as he spoke it to the people of Israel and to us. From Exodus chapter 20, a selection from verse two through 15. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or on the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother so they may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these words that you spoke so long ago that are still true, that still guide us, that still direct us, that still help us to be faithful to you. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears that we may hear what you have to say to us. Not my words, Lord. My words don't matter. Is it about you? But Lord, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and honoring and glorifying to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Several years ago, um, I knew a family and their home was broken into. Thankfully, they weren't home um, when it happened, but it was a pretty terrifying experience for them to come home to have their home broken into. And you have this, this sense of violation where your, your home has been entered by somebody else. And they also had, they were just angry that someone had come in and stolen their things. Well, I've never had anything major like that happen, never had a car stolen, never had a home um, broken into. Actually, real quick, anybody have their home broken into or a car stolen in the room? Yeah, it happens, all right? So I've never had anything major like that, um, but we had a couple weird things happen. So the house that we used to own backed up to a road. It wasn't a major road, but there was still traffic that came back and forth on that. And we had, there was like a five or six foot wall and then it was kind of a drop down on the other side. So the kids, right after we moved into the house, um, the kids were playing. One of the girls in the neighborhood was over. They were playing with the ball and it went up and over um, the fence. So they're kind of watching to see where it went. And this car is driving along. The ball's kind of bouncing along. It stops. The car is driving along. They stop the car. They get out. They pick it up, put it in, and leave. <laughs> who, who does that? Like, it was so weird. I mean, they knew exactly what happened. Well, a few years ago, shortly before we moved here, um, Tyler had a friend over, and they were kicking a soccer ball. And no surprise, it went, it went over the wall again. It bounced across the street. And this time, there were some workers across the street because there was a retirement home, um, retirement community crosses, uh, across that street from us. So the ball bounces across to these guys, and they get the ball, they kind of kick the ball back and forth to each other, they put it in their car, and then they go off to work. The whole time, Tyler's watching going, what, that's my ball. Like, who, who does that kind of thing? It's, it's just, I mean, who steals a ball from a kid? Twice. Well, now with, with the boom in online shopping and Amazon and things like that, um, the big thing now is porch pirates. 
okay? You guys, you guys heard, that, heard that phrase before. So they come up, they, steal, they see a package on your porch, and, and they will steal it. Well, that is one reason why there has also been a growth in the number of like ring doorbell and the other ones who do that kind of thing where it's a camera on your, on your door and you can see who comes and when a package is left and, and all that. So hopefully it's a deterrent. You know, people see it and they're less likely um, to, to come up and do it, but some people just do it anyway. Um, but also, you know, there's that hope that, you know, if somebody takes it, you know, at least you'll have footage of the person who did it and then, and then you can maybe deal with it in some way. For me, I like having it because I just, I feel better that we can kind of see what's going on. If, if the, the thing goes off, you know, we've got our eyes on you, we see what's going on and uh, it just makes me feel safer, especially if I am away. Well, with this rise in porch pirates, um, there is this one guy, there is this one guy who um, decided to get some justice. Okay, so he, um, he is an engineer and he is also a YouTuber named Mark Rober. Now he is a former NASA employee. He worked on the Mars rover. Um, really smart guy, makes all these crazy inventions on YouTube. So what happened was somebody stole his package um, from, from his front porch and he had it all on his ring doorbell. So he turns it into the police. He's like, all right, we're gonna catch this guy. Turns it in, the police go, it's just not worth our time. You know, could they really figure out who it was? So now he went from feeling violated, like somebody came onto my property and stole from me, to now feeling powerless, going, I can't even do anything about it. I've got the footage and I can't even do anything about it. Well, he decided to do something about it. So he created a bait package, and it was an Apple, like, HomePod or whatever it is, which are, what, 500, 600 bucks or whatever. So he put, put a box like that, but inside of that box, there was something very different. Inside of that box was a glitter bomb. So he had this thing set off, and he's a NASA engineer, so he's a little smart, and he built this thing, and it had a pound of glitter in it. So when it got opened up, when the person took it and it got opened up, it was a centrifuge, and it, and it you know, sent glitter everywhere all over the place, but he didn't stop there. He also put in a can, pardon the language, but he put in a, a little spray thing, a fart spray. So it was on this thing to where every 30 seconds it would spray five sprays, and he said one spray would clear a room. So he did that, he set a timer, but he also decided I wanna see what's going on, so he put these four cameras with wide angle lenses on it, on the inside, so when they took the lid off, it triggered the thing, and then it filmed the whole thing, and it had GPS, so he knew exactly where it was gonna be, right? It was great, it was brilliant, you can watch the video. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, it was funny to watch, but even more, it was just awesome to see these crooks get justice for stealing his package. And then, of course, because it smelled so bad, they would toss it out the window, um, and then he would go back and get it, and then he could do it again um, and get more footage. Well, two weeks ago, uh, we studied the sixth commandment of you shall not murder. Now, obviously, you know, you can't murder, which everyone knows. I mean, that's just kind of one of those innate things that most of us, because you know, God created us in his image and he's given us some sense of right and wrong, that murder is just a wrong thing to do. So what we did was we got a little bit deeper into the concept of hatred and anger with people and things like that. Well, with this week, we're talking about you shall not steal, and we all know that you can't just go around stealing stuff. Now, some people do it, but everyone knows it's wrong. Again, like with murder, some people do it, but they know that it's wrong. Well, with stealing, I mean, these porch pirates knew what they were doing was wrong, but they justified it in some way, and, and they, they went and did it. But everyone knows that stealing is wrong. Even a toddler knows that, that stealing is wrong. You know that because if you go and try, if you try and take something from Evelyn, and she's probably gonna go, mm-mm, that's mine. She's not gonna use those words, but no, she's gonna pull it back. A kid is gonna pull it back because even little kids know, you don't take my stuff. It's just one of those things. 
Well, there's that innate within us, and then there's God's word, which we'll talk about in a minute, but there's also just very logical reasons as to why stealing is wrong. And it's, there's this kind of key part of why we have a gut-level reaction. It's not that we have a gut-level reaction just because we do, but there's something deeper there that's going on. There's this basic concept of property and ownership, which is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with the concept of I own things, you own things, and we should respect the ownership of other, other people. Well, if we break that idea, or if we make that idea too flexible, it messes with the fabric of society then everything is up for grabs, and then you, with that comes this kind of a loss of, of sense of security. If you think that it's perfectly fine, you know, for your, if your neighbor thinks it's perfectly fine to come up and take your car, you're gonna be worried about your car the whole time. So it's just this logical thing to say, we need to have some sense that stealing is wrong, that property ownership is okay. Well, God also gives us this commandment beyond logic and beyond society. He gives us this, this commandment because it also protects the poor and it protects the less powerful. Now obviously this doesn't mean that it's okay to steal from the rich, you know, unlike you know, the whole Robin Hood kind of thing. I know there was some good stuff there, it was corrupt, all that, but, but it's not like it's okay to steal from the rich, but there is something very important that happens that it does protect the poor and it does protect the less powerful in society. See, the wealthy can, by their nature of having more money and having more things, can protect the things that they have better. If we have no laws and the poor, their, kind of, their stuff is a little bit more up for grabs. The wealthy will probably live in a nicer home with an alarm. They can have security. They can live in a nicer neighborhood and things like that. Even if you go to nations of high crime, the wealthy can better protect themselves. So we have this ethic and we have this law of protecting property. You cannot just come and steal from people. When you think about it, there's also greater financial ruin that happens on the poor when something is stolen from them. So imagine, if you will, that you drive a brand new Bentley, okay? If someone comes and they steal your Bentley, you can probably still get to work that day. If, however, you drive a beige 1988 Ford Ranger, like I used to drive, um, if you drive one of those and that is your only vehicle, how are you going to get to work? So not only are you out the money of your vehicle that was gone, you probably don't have great insurance on to get it replaced, you also can't get into work. So there's greater financial ruin that comes upon people who don't have as much when the little that they have is stolen from them. So I would have to say that overall, um, I like the Eighth Commandment. It's good for society as a whole. It's good for me personally. It protects us. And I have never robbed a convenience store because I am not a thief. Well, when I was in middle school and probably my freshman, maybe sophomore year of high school, I collected baseball cards. So this was late 80s, early 90s days of Kurt Gibson, Bo Jackson. Ken Griffey Jr. was just a young, baby-faced rookie. Well, one day I was about 12 or 13 years old. Anybody, John's looking like, I don't know who Ken Griffey Jr. is. Babe Ruth was still playing. Yeah, Babe Ruth was still playing. Quiet. Um, so... I was about 12 or 13 years old, and my family had gone to, um, at that point it was called Price Club, but Costco, you know, we went to Price Club back in the day, and everything at Costco is sold in bulk, including baseball cards. So they come in these big boxes. You would get, you know, 24 packs of baseball cards in, in a box there. Well, that year, the, the, the cards that they had at Costco, the inside of those boxes of baseball cards, they also had um, stickers with them. It would have different team logos on them and, and things like that. 
Well, I had gone into Costco and, and somebody had gone and they had opened up one of those boxes. They had even opened up some of the packs and they had taken the cards that were, that were within those packs. Well, I looked and still sitting there were some of those little baseball stickers. Well, I looked at them and I pocketed a couple of those. Put them in there and went back and I found my family and, and we made our way home. But it was like the telltale heart, you know, where it's like I can just feel it in my pocket. Like I, I just stole these stickers. And it was haunting me and it was just, I was getting nauseous having these things on my possession that I'd just taken these stickers. So I go home and I go into the bathroom and I shred those things up and I, I may have even flushed them down the toilet. Sorry, mom and dad, I know they're gonna listen. Um, so I think I flushed them down the toilet and I just got rid of those things because I just couldn't deal with having those things with me. And I still feel a little guilty about it. I mean, this was like 30 years ago and it still makes me feel guilty. Well, the summer after I graduated from college, uh, new software came out, Napster. It got huge. It was software, if you remember, um, or there was also LimeWire was another one that came out after that. Um, and you could share your music and you could share with other people. You could put things up, other, other people could put things up and, and you could share uh, music and videos and other files. And people thought, well, it's okay. It's not really stealing. We're just, we're sharing with other people. I'm not you know, it, I own it, and I'm just sharing it with them, and I'm not even selling it to them. But the problem is you cannot share copyrighted files, copyrighted songs. So it was a moral debate for some. I wouldn't call it a moral dilemma, because a moral dilemma kind of means, like, it's debatable as to whether, you know, it's moral or not. It wasn't moral. It was wrong. It was stealing, okay, when you get down to it. But a lot of people did it because it was like, well, you know, it's these huge record companies and it's these millionaire artists and they're making a ton of money and they're overcharging for it anyway and it's not even a physical thing anyway. And this was, what, around the year 2000 when the whole concept of things being digital only was brand new and, and before we, we really thought through all of that. Well, there's a bit of a similar line of reasoning when it comes to subscription services like Netflix. Now, Netflix obviously is a perfectly fine business. There's nothing wrong with, with Netflix. But then you get your, your, your subscription, you pay for it, and then you, you give your password to your friend or to your roommate or to your boyfriend or your ex-boyfriend or things like that. And it gets passed around to all these people and you go, now wait, how many people are using my account at this point? Or of course, there's the old thing if you go into a fast food restaurant and you say, oh, I'll have a cup of water, please. And then you go up to the soda machine and you get Sprite because Sprite looks like water. Do you know how much money they make on those things? So it's like, what, two cents? Now, if you've ever worked at a restaurant, you can probably correct me, but you know, the, the old saying goes, they only spend about two cents worth of soda on that and they're selling it to you for 250. It's highway robbery anyway. They're ripping you off, so it's perfectly fine to do. It's really not that big of a deal. So we come up with all kinds of rationalizations why it's okay to steal or why it's really not really stealing, is it? You know, they have plenty anyway. They won't miss it. It's only a $2 drink. Or the classic, classic justification, everyone does it. So they build that cost in. So it's just kind of one of those normal things that happens. We find technicalities and excuses for why it's not a big deal or why it's not really stealing. See, I think what we've done is we've convinced ourselves that what God really meant was thou shalt not steal from nice people. <laughs> now, 
unless there is some hidden crime syndicate at our church or unless there is a car theft ring operating here that I don't know about, I'm guessing that when most of us walked into the room this morning and when we read those words, you shall not steal, we're probably feeling a little bit of relief after last week, right? So last week it was about, you know, adultery and lust and all that kind of stuff. The week before was anger and rage and the, and the, way, that we, the way that we treat people. So you go, theft, okay, good. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those people. But then over the last five minutes, I've just reamed you, haven't I? Probably some of us are feeling guilty. Probably some of us are feeling picked on. But is that really God's purpose in the Ten Commandments? Is it either to make us feel great about ourselves because I haven't broken Commandment 5, 7, and 8? Is it really so that I can look down on other people who have broken those things? Is it really so that I can feel ashamed because I didn't tell the server they forgot to charge me for the soda? Is that really all that the Ten Commandments are good for? Just more sins to avoid or more ammunition against other people? See, laws like you shall not steal, you shall not kill, they're important to maintain order in society. That is one of the reasons why God gave us the Ten Commandments, gave them to his people, was to maintain order in society. But God is doing something much deeper, teaching us something much deeper than just rules to follow. What God is doing is he is bringing his kingdom here. We talked about that the first week, that when he gives us the Ten Commandments, when Jesus further explained it in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he was giving us this image of what it should look like, of what our lives should look like when we are reflecting him, reflecting his kingdom. We are giving life, we are not taking it. We are blessing other people, we are not stealing from them. We are loving our spouses, we are loving the people in our lives, not taking advantage of them. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God does this largely through changing the hearts of his people and by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just by giving us rules to follow, it is by changing our hearts. Well, in order to get deeper on the issue of murder, in order to get deeper on the issue of adultery and some of the other issues, um, we have looked at the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and that was a helpful thing for us to do because, as you remember, Jesus came to not abolish the law but to fulfill the law and to help us live it out. Interesting thing with the Eighth Commandment is we don't even have to look forward to the Sermon on the Mount because, you know, most of the commandments are God says, okay, here's what you're supposed to do, and then he moves on to the next one. Well, with number eight, he said, here's what you're supposed to do. You do not steal. And then he, he gave us a ninth commandment. Um, we're doing it next week. Oh, yeah, uh, don't lie. Don't bear false witness against, against your neighbor. I know, Julia, I'm, I'm, she's laughing at me. So don't bear false witness. And then number 10, God actually addresses the heart issue in number 10, which is very interesting because a lot of them he had just been very straightforward with here's the things you do and here's the things you do not do. So listen to the 10th commandment from Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Well, long before I bought my incredibly boring and super fuel-efficient Mazda CX-5, I was a truck guy. In college, I drove a 1980, I know, it's shocking. In college, I drove something very similar to that really cool-looking 1988 beige Ford Ranger, Ford Ranger that was up there. Um, and then I replaced that with a brand-new 1999 Ford Ranger. Well, ever since I bought that Mazda, I have longed for my days of being a truck guy again. 
And something that I will do sometimes when I know somebody who gets a new truck, and I'm prob- I probably did this to James when he got his new truck, and I've done it to other people, is just to go like, man, I'm having a hard time not coveting your truck right now. All right? Well, the Hebrew word for covet is tachemod. It's not just I want that thing. I wish that I had that thing. Inordinate, ungoverned, selfish desire to lust after something. It can become a consuming appetite which is never satisfied. So, you know, the truth is, if I was really coveting James's truck, which I do like your truck, by the way, if I was truly coveting his truck, it would be like, you know what? I should have that truck instead of him, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get that truck away from him. He doesn't even appreciate how great his truck is. It should be with somebody like me. Coveting changes how we look at other people. Coveting changes how we look at the things we have and the things that we don't have. If I just had that truck, then I'd be happy. If only I had a better job, if only I had a better house, if only I lived in a nicer neighborhood, if only, if only. That longing and lusting for things leads us down a dangerous path. But stealing is not the only dangerous thing down that path. It's only the physical symptom of a deeper issue. See, that word, tachemod, is also connected on, in, in some of the other translations to the idea of idolatry. To worship something, to, to take this thing, this man-made thing, and to place my value and my trust in it. Remember idolatry from the first two commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall make no idols. You shall not worship them. You must not trust them. You must not find your hope. You must not find your identity in these things. They may suck you in, but they will always fail. Well, a few months ago, I was in the car with Haley and Tyler. We were driving around, and and this song came on the radio. And the chorus of it went, I want it, I got it. I want it, I got it. You like my hair? Gee, thanks, just bought it. I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. So I heard that song, and there's part of me going like, okay, now is this one of those songs where it's like they're kind of exposing materialism and greed and all that kind of stuff? So I'm like, I'll bet, I'll bet that's what it is, because that's, you know, I've heard people do that in songs before. But I was wrong. Um, I read an interview with uh, the singer, and she talked about, um, she said it was kind of, kind of a flex. It was a thing of showing off how much I have. I like showing the things that I have. I like showing the money that I have and showing it to other people. She'd recently broken up with her fiance and had a day out of shopping with her friends at Tiffany's. So she said something interesting in the song. She said, I'd rather spoil all my friends with my riches. So I look at that and I go, okay, great. She is taking the money that she has. Yeah, she's showing it off and saying how much she has and bragging about it, but she's also spending it on her friends in order to do something nice for them. She's being generous. But then later on, she went on to say, whoever said money can't solve your problems must have not had enough money to solve them. I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. Whoever said money can't solve your problems must not have had enough money to solve them. I'm not doing this to call out any particular singer or anything like that. That is not my point. It's not even my point to say, you know, music these days, it used to be so much better. No, there was some pretty self-centered music back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Because all that this artist did 
was she expressed in words how many people view possessions, how many people view money, how really all of us can fall in to viewing money. If I just had a little bit more, then I'd be happy. In that song, she said, retail therapy is my new obsession. No, my new addiction. Retail therapy. Well, whether we are showing off what we have or longing for what we don't, we are kind of living examples of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the other, hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, after years of seminary and, and study and looking at the original Hebrew, um, I've decided to come up with my own uh, translation combining the eighth and the tenth commandment. And it's really scholarly, it's really impressive. Exodus 20, verse 15 and 17. Don't be a greedy jerk. Now, thankfully, God didn't leave us there with don't be a greedy jerk, right? He didn't just leave us living in the muck and going, but sometimes I am greedy and sometimes I am selfish and sometimes I am just looking out for myself and all the things that I want and I'll do things to get the things that I want. Instead, God has offered us another way, a better way. Ezekiel 18.7, God is describing the righteous man to the prophet Ezekiel. It says, he does not commit robbery, but gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing for the naked. Or the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2, 3 through 5, using Christ as our example. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What would lead a crook to swipe a package from a porch or a jerk to steal a ball from a child? Well, it's the same thing that would lead a 12-year-old to pocket some stickers or a college student to illegally download a song. But as we've discussed a lot, God's law is not simply about sin avoidance. It's about living faithful lives that honor him and bless others. Whether I have a lot or a little, how I treat money, how I view money, how I treat possessions, says a lot about my relationship with God. God didn't stop with telling us, do not steal, do not covet. His call on us is to find our trust in him, to find our identity in him instead of things. Instead of pining and plotting for the things that we wish that we had, being content, it's being thankful for what God has given to us. It's sharing it with others. It's sharing it with those that we love and even those that we barely know. 
And I guess one final quick example of that that I, I guess God is reminding me of sometimes is when you go to a restaurant and, and you're, you're figuring out what the tip is and you go, well, let's see, if I wanted to give, you know, about, about 20%, well, if I give 20%, it's, it's gonna be like, you know, $4.25, you know, but if I go up to $5, well, that's 22%, and I just don't know if I can do that. That's 75 cents, people, all right? And when I say people, I'm saying that's 75 cents, Jeff Kempton. Be generous, even just with that little bit of money, just to say, I just wanna bless this person, because that 75 cents doesn't really make a huge difference to me, but it's a way that I can bless this person just a little bit more, a person who's working hard. God's call on us is to be generous with everything that we have. To be generous with our possessions, to be generous with our time, to be generous with grace, and to use it all for his kingdom. Let's pray. God, you have given us plenty. You've given us a lot. Lord, there's days when we look at the bank account and it's not very full. There's days when we see the expenses piling up. But Lord, we also see the blessings you have given to us. You have given us homes. You've given us families. Lord, help us to be generous. Help us to not look at the possessions of others, to not obsess over what other people have, to not be so protective of our things that we fail to love people. Lord, thank you for the many things you've given to us. Help us to be grateful. Help us to be thankful. Help us to be generous. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.